What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. My return guest today is Dr. Chad Kirksick. Hey there, man. How you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm doing well. So had you on about five months ago or so, somewhere around there, uh, to cover uh, some research that you were a part of publishing on the timing of ergogenic aids and micronutrients on muscle and exercise performance and uh, there was so much info to cover. We didn't, we didn't get through all of it. So you're back to go over the second half of that study. So, um, catch us up on, on how life and, and everything has been since, uh, since we last chatted. You you said five months and I, I it's been that long, but you know, that's just how it goes. Um, so yeah, I guess it has been that long. I mean, you know, and then we're kind of right here in the thrones of, of this wonderful year of 2020. So, um, you know, like everybody else, my, my semester has been, my year has been quite a bit different with the university. It was, you know, as we were, a, a, we were in a, a full-time academic term and it looked like summer around campus. I mean, cause the parking lots were, were halfway full and, um, a lot of the buildings were empty and it was, it was honestly, it was really kind of sad. It was, it was, um, uh, I, I, you don't really realize, I'll choke a lot of times. There's a lot of times that students suck, you know, suck the life out of you. Um, but it, you really do realize uh, when they're when they're not around as much, you don't get to interact with them as much. That there's that there's a lot of a lot of positive, a, real, a lot of positive interactions that 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 I think you you kind of you grow to you grow to count on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was missing. So um, so that part of it was definitely unfortunate. The lab's been busy, and we've been um, working on some some studies that uh, we've been working on for a while because we, you know, from about March until August or so, our lab was closed down. We, got a, we had a, we were busy because uh, we were trying to get as many people through as we could, but the social distancing and requirements and things like that kind of forced our hand on, on those aspects. So, but it was a good semester. Um, and yeah, so I'm excited to be on the call. I, you know, I think of, you know, when we, so we, so what I told you, you know, we have kind of had like a fun little update. So the last time we talked, we covered, we covered caffeine. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I'm sure that I talked about a, a study that one of my master's students at the time, uh, Patrick Hardy, he's working on his PhD at Texas Tech now. Uh, but since that time, his paper has been published. Uh, so that was really cool. We got that paper out. It's in uh, Frontiers in Nutrition. So you could easily, uh, so for people that, that like caffeine and like this notion that, that when we ingest caffeine um, might impact our performance a little bit, um, it, was, it, was, it was nice to get that paper out because there's been a couple of studies that have shown some aspects of different um, types of um, uh, endurance exercise performance, but there really hasn't been much that has examined the timing of caffeine relative to resistance exercise performance. and. Hmm. Um, you know, because the, the 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 type of stress the uh, that exists between a resistance-based exercise and an endurance-based exercise is it's it's different. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just it's there's much more mechanical stress. There's a tremendous amount of neurological impulse that has to, you know, kind of go through every forceful forceful repetition. Whereas, you know, there's just this the long draining, prolonged aspect. You can actually get you know substrate depletion with with endurance fatigue and in addition to the, you know, to all the kind of neurological fatigue and wear down. So, uh, so we wanted to see if, if caffeine could, could impact it. And it did, you know, so it was, so it was kind of neat. It was neat to get it out there. Uh, nice. so definitely thought that'd be kind of a, a neat little segue, but yeah, this has been a topic that we've, um, you know, Sean Arendt, who's a professor at uh, South Carolina, great dude. If anybody hasn't had a chance to listen to Sean talk, he's, he's always entertaining, very knowledgeable. Uh, and we've done um, a couple of projects now, just kind of covering nutrient timing as a whole. Uh, so he was he was one of the um, authors on the the timing uh, position stand for International Society of Sport Nutrition. Mm-hmm. And um, so so Sean, Sean and I just um, uh, published a book chapter together. NSDA just came out with the, the National Strength and Conditioning Association just came out with a, a new um, edition of their sport. And exercise and nutrition text. So, so Sean and I did a chapter on that. So we've got we've got a few got some timing things that are that are kind of sprinkling around out there. So nice, nice. Uh, well, he's he's on my uh, on my list of potential oh, guests. Yeah, he, he's always he's fun. He's fun. He's high energy. He's he's a lot of fun. So 
Uh, and then I think of, you know, just, man, just this week, uh, Darren Kandow, who's a great creative professor in, um, uh, up in Canada, they just published a paper that uh, looked at uh, basically giving creatine during a workout uh, against the placebo. And I think they saw some improvements um, in performance. I, you know, the thing, if I was talking to him, I, 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 don't, it, I don't know if it was really a truly a timing study. You know, they didn't have a creatine group that took it in the morning, like away from the workout. So, yes, they gave it during, but I don't. I didn't, of course, I didn't really read the abstract that closely either, but just based upon the comments and things like that, I think it was just two groups during exercise against the placebo. So it's, it's I, in my eyes, as much as just a creatine study as it is a during, during a capari, um, uh nutrition delivery type, mm -hmm. of, type of a creatine study. So there's, you know, there, there continues to be uh, a, a lot of different work that's that's floating around out there, you know, and I think you can shoot, you could even if you get, you look at it pretty broadly. I mean, you can even think of nutrient timing as things like intermittent fasting. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that just feel like, and, and honestly, it is. You're manipulating when you're eating and you're working out and sleeping and doing the other things that, you know, it's definitely going to send your body through cues of, of energy surplus and energy deficit. And there's going to be signaling mechanisms that are going to fire up in response to all of that. So, um, so I think it'll be interesting. I, I, so I think the next... You know, the next next ten years is I think there's just gonna we're gonna continue to to explore this this question. Uh, people really like it for um, so because I think it's something that that they can feel like they're doing specifically for a certain purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like oh I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my beta alanine here. Mm -hmm. uh, so so what 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 do we have left uh, to cover? Gotcha. So we've got to cover iron, calcium, sodium bicarbonate, and beta alanine. <clears throat> Yeah, so I tell you what, if we do it in that order, you know, iron and calcium, if you look back, so this article we published uh, in 2019, so, and um, just a nice little review article where we just kind of summarize the literature. I think I mentioned before, we were going to include all of this content in the big position stand, and those things are massive, and it was, you know, hundreds of references, and, you know, it was too long to begin with. Nobody really wants to read a document that long, so why make it any longer? So we pulled it out, and publish this paper separately and, and it's gotten a lot of traction, but you know, calcium and iron are definitely two nutrients that a lot of people be like, really timing like mm -hmm. those. Um, and I gotta be honest with you. There's there, you know, there's, there's, there's nowhere near enough literature to for it to be something that, Oh yeah, you absolutely have to do it. It's one of those things of more of, you know, when you search through and you, you use keywords like timing and, and various, you know, dietary supplements and nutritional ingredients and these studies pop up, then you kind of look at it and you're like, huh, I'll be darned. So uh, <laughs> the iron, it was, iron was very, very limited in the sense that I, if I remember, my memory serves me right, there wasn't even, there's not even really a whole lot of human work that's showing. So there's been a couple of animal studies that shows that potentially um, when you're ingesting um uh, iron that it may impact uh, kind of your iron absorption and your iron metabolism. Um, but there's, you know, I mean, as I said, there's, uh, I, 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 I definitely at the time when we wrote it, I don't think there was any human human work that had been done. So even if that's a year and a half, two years now, so there's, there's, there hasn't been a whole lot of human work, even if there is one paper or two papers. So I would always encourage listeners or students or anybody else, you know, you always need to take that information with, with, you know, with them I in a good bit of caution, good, good bit of skepticism. It doesn't mean that the animal work is bad science. That's never, never the way you should interpret that. It's just more of there are absolutely scenarios where there's some species dependent responses to various nutrients and administrations. And so, you know, so when you read that part of the paper or you listen to what I just said, just understand that, you know, the data is there. Maybe it maybe it'll work in human, maybe it won't, and I think we just we have to keep keep kind of dancing around with that. Um, if we move on to calcium, calcium uh, it is it, it is also very underdeveloped in the sense and from from a literature base, and really we're looking at more of can the timing of calcium impact the changes in different bone either absorption markers or bone or bone uh, resorption markers. You know, so, you know, we kind of, our, our bone minerals are 
it's a very dynamic process. It's just you know we're we're constantly mineral we're constantly constantly mineralizing that tissue and making it hard and calcifying it and kind of growing and supporting our bones. But then in certain times of needs, it can our 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 body can actually suck those minerals back out of the bone and it and obviously mm -hmm. that's not a good thing for various reasons. Um, you know so so there was some papers um, that had kind of examined. The, you know when calcium was ingested you know did it positively impact um uh, uh, bone metabolism i guess if you will and again very limited work it's usually done in like you know kind of older older populations um mm -hmm. you know maybe 50 years plus or things along those lines because again bone health for older 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 women older men certainly becomes an important very very important consideration preventing um, osteoporosis yeah, and... exactly yep you know i mean because we always you know we've always kind of looked at bone health and metabolism you know we typically our bone females peak bone mass is generally right around their, their mid-20s and then it's and then it's kind of a it, traditionally it was always viewed to be just kind of like this long slow decline <clears throat> and depending upon your nutritional status you know environmental exposures various types of drug use legal and otherwise um you know food intake exercise that would kind of impact the extent to which you you lost that bone as you got older so um but we've learned a lot more and there's some other medications that are out there now and, and there there are certainly some indications that, that might be able to definitely even flatten the curve or potentially actually kind of increase bone mass a little bit but so um but i think definitely you know, this is, you know, for a, a human performance athlete, a peak performance type of an athlete, again, calcium timing, um, there's not much popping up in the literature to, to suggest that it's going to impact different kind of asp you know, angles of performance, um, you know, and so forth. But, but again, you know, so there's, um, you, you know, the, with, with the studies that we cited here, you know, it was mainly looking at cyclists. Uh, and the reason why I think they're looking at cyclists within an app, within an exercising kind of population. Um, you know, cyclists, in some respects, like like their upper bodies, don't get a whole lot of loading. You know, mm -hmm. if they're on the bike for three hours. I mean, yeah, if you're going up or downhill, you know, uh, you know, you certainly might get a little bit of loading, but you're not getting a lot of loading. You know, but you're, but you're, 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 you're all sending. in the legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's so it's actually it's a really really fascinating look if you start to look at their bone health because their bone their bone health and their legs it's like they're like they're like apes i mean they just have their huge i mean a lot of bone mass and then typically their skeletal structure on their upper body is 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 is, is fairly diminutive so mm -hmm. um and it's if you like physiology it's just a you know it's a pretty classical loading response you you load up the legs and they the bones get bigger the muscles get bigger and you don't load up the upper body and they don't they don't get bigger and a lot of times they get smaller so so that but that's one of the reasons i think why why they look at cyclists um just because you can do an endurance model with them and then there's been some other papers that have kind of shown that bone metabolism or bone status with uh cyclists you know might 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 be an area of concern uh and i think in general you know there there was there was some very preliminary evidence that 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 the timing of calcium may help uh, with bone health uh, along those lines. So, but again, really not a whole lot, not a whole lot of literature to support it. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of a different outcome as well, too. I think a lot of times when you get into this nutrient timing and performance piece, you know, you're wanting to know things like time to exhaustion or, you know, repetitions to failure, or did it increase strength or did, did we get, did we get bigger or did we lose more fat? And with the calcium angle, those weren't really the outcomes. Um, that were that were being looked at so you know some of the, those traditional outcomes of sport nutrition studies um but it just wasn't wasn't the piece so i think that's kind of one of the reasons why um, um maybe we haven't seen as much about it gotcha yeah. so related to to what you just mentioned um calcium is required for muscle contraction calcium is, plays an electrolyte role as well so um it's just interesting that uh, it sounds like you're saying calcium is not a limiting factor when it comes to exercise performance as, as much as maybe some people make it out to be. 
Well, no, I, and I think so that that answer is going to be um, hidden under kind of several layers of context. So I mm. think, you know, I think in particular, when we look at like a heavy, you know, we look at like heavier, um, like resistance training models, you know, where we're, we're moving very heavy loads or you're doing relatively heavy loads for repetitions to failure. Um, you know, that, 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 that excitation contraction process that leads to muscle contraction, uh, calcium is, is critical. I mean, the process simply does not happen without calcium. So, so that part of it alone, every single muscle contraction, we have to have enough calcium and we have to have an appropriate amount uh, of calcium handling. The, um, so, so I absolutely, I, I definitely don't want the listeners to think that, well, calcium is really not, not, that, not that big a deal. It's not that important. I think in general, what we see is that if people are generally following uh, a diet and they're, they're getting enough calories, you know, across the balanced array of foods, um, you know, that they're typically getting enough calcium in their, in their body to help support a lot of these functions. So then supplementation on top of it doesn't really ping the needle much more in terms of muscular performance. Gotcha. When we hear about calcium within health and nutrition, I, I think the overwhelming majority of those conversations are focused in on, on like bone health. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where, you know, I mean, the calcium's role within bone is, is, is beyond reproach. I mean, it's on the same question. So, so I think that was, um, you know, that was just kind of what they were, what they were looking at. I think, you know, the other part of it that was interesting about the calcium related things, because I know like there was one study where, you know, they gave a standardized dose, you know, before, um, a, 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 you know, somewhat prolonged cycling about 60, 90 minutes. I don't remember exactly what it was. You know, but uh, but I mean, a really pretty good effort on on a cycle, and they found that when when um, when calcium was given beforehand, that basically bone you know um, bone marker metabolisms were were you know, were improved. Like there was just a better a better acute status of of kind of you know um, a bone metabolism. Now, does that mean that they're going to build more bone? Does that mean no? It doesn't mean any of those types of things. But it certainly it's you know it it does it. it I guess we're just saying that in an acute fashion, that when you ingest calcium, it 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 might be something that 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 can lead to improvements uh, in various outcomes, you know. And I and I think just you, so with this, you'd have to be very very careful of of not to like overinterpret it because we have so much more. I think that we need to that we need to learn along those lines. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I was thinking of related to calcium was, um, I don't know, maybe back when I was in college, it seemed like there was this huge push to add calcium to a lot of uh, <laughs> like yogurt and other dairy products to like boost the calcium because perhaps the idea was, oh, people aren't getting enough calcium, especially women aren't getting enough calcium, and that's what's you know causing bone issues like osteoporosis and then um I, I don't know if it was while i was in college or or maybe later in grad school when the idea uh i guess became a little more popularized that you know what maybe we're we're adding calcium and and the addition of calcium isn't really beneficial like they're people who are perhaps at risk for osteoporosis who are increasing their calcium aren't showing any positive benefits. The issue is you're not stressing the muscles to absorb that calcium to increase the bone mineral density. Is that accurate? Um, I mean, so I think, you know, building more bone, and, and this is not, I mean, it's not, I definitely not an area I consider to be like a, a wheelhouse, if you will, but just coming from a, an exercise physiology background and, and, you know, there's, you know, the, the, there should be a lot of interest in any individual who wants to improve their bone health or maintain their bone health in in resistance exercise. I, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, and I think, again, if we would kind of, you know, uh, start to, I don't know if stereotypes the right word, but, you know, kind of like put people in profiles. I mean, generally, you know, I mean, uh, older women would be kind of our, our, our number one group of people that would, you know, that you'd really want to kind of 
um, get focused in on as far as certain types of exercise and so forth. Uh, and then older men, uh, and then and then probably kind of um, uh, you know women, and I think particularly like you know so like you know um, like female endurance athletes mm-hmm. can 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 create a scenario um, you know where they've already have you know because they're so again like an endurance athlete they have to harvest so much energy when they're out running the mileages that they are or if they're training for triathlons and you know and that just i mean the body needs energy and it mm-hmm. needs energy in the form of food um and and obviously if you're not getting enough of it so you know and 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 athletes present with a relatively low energy availability meaning there's not a lot of energy left to perform physiological functions outside of what they're 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 eating um then that that creates situations where that person's body um you know has to find minerals has to find protein has to find you know and so we kind of think about so that's where we can you know this we talk about exercise i think with with calcium and with other minerals and with you know making sure that we're getting enough of it because if there's these other stressors that are taking place it's just going to create a level of probability that's not necessarily that individual's favor, you know, about being able to maintain maintain bone health. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, um, I mean, you know, fortific- fortification of foods within nutrition. I mean, that became, I think, fairly widespread, um, you know, through the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and things along things like vitamin D and calcium and iron. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was really because I think, you know, a couple fold, the, the values overall in, in large segments of our population were, were really kind of lower than where I think public health experts wanted them to be. And then also, uh, you know, you take things like, like vitamin D, I mean, uh, you know, if you're not outside and, 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 you know, and, and, and getting some sun exposure on a regular basis, um, you know, then food's it. That's the only way to get it. Uh, and we really don't make, we really don't absorb vitamin D really that well from Mm -hmm. food. Um, that's why it's just trying to get, you know, so that's where there's some fortification there. I think with calcium in particular, like calcium supplements, there's, you know, they've definitely learned that certain types of calcium supplements absorb and are more bioavailable than others. Hmm. Um, I'm not an expert on that. I think it's the citrate version, calcium citrate, but I could be dead wrong. And if I'm wrong, don't skewer me on it. Um, <laughs> and I, but then, but we also can see, we also know as well that like, you know, consuming those sub, consuming a calcium supplement with food helps to improve its bioavailability and typically sources of calcium from food versus a supplement are much more bioavailable than the amount of calcium found inside a supplement. So, so that's, so that I think all of these types of things kind of led to um, nutrition policy decisions to, to kind of start kind of for, you know, fortifying foods, various foods with, with different um, kind of with this, with those, with those different minerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, cause I mean, you know, calcium and, and iron, you know, those are, I mean, if an athlete's doing a pretty good job with their diet from a, from an energy intake perspective, and then they're not getting all their energy from just one type of food, you know, they're eating somewhat of a balanced diet. Um, I would, I would say the majority of athletes are, are, are going to be okay as far as are they getting enough iron? Are they getting enough vitamins and minerals? And then, you know, so that's kind of the masses. But then a lot of times, you know, we want to talk about the extremes. We want to talk about the fringes of mm-hmm. things. And now I think, you know, it kind of goes back to, well, what, what groups of athletes are going to be at a little bit higher risk? Well, it's generally not going to be like a, like, you know, like a strength and power type of an athlete. I, I mean, and I think the reason being will be because like on the bone health side of things, if they're doing all of this loading, they're jumping and running and sprinting and lifting and they're, they're propelling their body and use throwing implements like that just requires a tremendous amount of, of force loading through the skeletal system. And it, it gen- generally, you know, um, but then they also are typically not burning the massive amount of calories 
that uh, a fairly um, a, a serious endurance athlete is going to um, is going to burn. I mean, they'll mm-hmm. still burn through some calories, but generally speaking, you know, you, you know, I mean, a, a strength and power athlete, and I mean, you know, outside of their practices, their training sessions, you know, I mean, you're it's 45 minutes to 75 minutes for most people, you know. Okay. Whereas, I mean, competitive endurance, you know, people, I mean, they're they're out. You know, I mean, they're they're they might be running for you know, I mean, an hour, an hour and a half. They go on long training runs. They might be out there for two hours, two and a half hours. And I'm no breaks. Yeah, and it's just the biggest thing that I always like to make make students stop and think about is, you know, there is no breaks. It is legitimately it's seven. You know, if it's it could be thirteen to eighteen calories a minute, times however many minutes forever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like for the whole time is what I'm trying to say. Whereas, yeah. like, you know, you can take so many different team sport, strength and power, variable intensity type athletes. And, and I mean, I, I love those sports. Those are the sports that I played. So I'm not taking anything away from them, but you have to look at them energetically. They're very different in the sense that there's typically, you know, you, even a sport like soccer where there's, you know, they're moving constantly. You know, I mean, uh, and, and soccer is probably the example that we, that would that we get the closest you know, with, with some, with, you know, kind of, you know, the different energy demands, but you take, you know, I mean, sports, I mean, you know, baseball, softball, uh, you know, I mean, American football, you know, those, those sports are just energetically, they're, you know, they're just a different beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important. To, and, you know, so I think students, you know, people really, once you start to think about it, it can help the, I think it can help people get a good handle on, you know, really just how much energy they should be eating. And that's really kind of a big focus um that we're going to try to kick off in the next year or so is just trying to do things to help like young female athletes understand how many calories your body needs how many calories you're burning during a workout you know and then try to get out how many calories you're eating and then it's just it's simple math and then you know and um that way instead of kind of lecturing them and just and you know you can just say like look these numbers should minimally be equal And that's it. You don't even need to say, and yours aren't. Like they're gonna know. Oh, well, wait a minute. And this, so this is what this means. If this number is above this number or below this number, uh, and that's where I think you know. But all of this stuff, kind of, you know, that that's that's how endurance athletes are a little bit a little bit different. So um, yeah. So I don't I don't know if you know this, but you just pitched my book. Thank you. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. <laughs> What's your book about? The Self Reliant Diet. It's how okay. you. How you calculate yep. your your energy needs and how you track to make sure that you're coming in where you need to be. Yeah, um, well, and, and 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 Kevin, I mean, man, you're gonna open up a you're, you're a ball of wax here. I mean, you know, I I mean that is the single biggest thing that every single trainer, health coach, diet coach, if you're working with somebody. From a health and physique, or just a health perspective, um, I, I mean, they've got to know how much they're bringing in, and they got to know how much they're burning, um, and and they have to realize that they're going to be woefully wrong, like they're woefully wrong. It, it, it's scary, but you have to be committed to wanting because it's so important to be to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Because then you can start to manipulate, you know, if you really want to see a change, then you understand the implications of eating a certain type of food in a certain type of amount against not not doing a workout or, or, or doing a workout. And, and it's just those things day in and day out that people have to, they've got to win those little battles. Um, I mean, it is, I you know, I'm I'm personally, a, a, I mean, you know, calories in versus calories out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate. I, I don't. You know, I'm not. Uh, I, I I would generally tell my people, you know, that that's that's 85% of the problem, mm-hmm. 90% of the problem. You know, I mean, I I get it. There's these beautiful, you know, uh, numbers models that are being generated by different people to suggest that there's other other important considerations beyond calories in versus calories out. And and I I I, I mean, I accept those, but my perspective would be, let's not sit here and talk about this other little area that we don't know what the contribution of it is like we'll all recognize yes it's it has some level of of it belongs in the conversation 
Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that its sphere of influence might be the size of a golf ball, whereas I'm saying calories in versus calories out is is like a stability ball, like a Swiss yeah. ball. Oh, yeah. know, that's, that's how I would tell people to, you know, so it's like, if, you know, so you've got to get you've got to you got to get that part of it figured out. You have to. Yeah, that's so. uh, it's funny that you bring that up just because I have, you know, some interactions with with people on social media and uh just recently you know someone's basically said hey i i posted something about you know like the most important priority is to figure out what your calorie needs are like so i use the analogy all the time that it's like a budget like you you want to put some money away into savings you want to save up for a trip to disneyland like you have to know how much you're spending and how much you're making and you've got to know this on a uh, you know on a daily basis in order for you to make these appropriate things. So basically online, someone said, you know, there is no scientific rationale for, for programming anyone's diet via calories. And I'm like, what, what are we talking about? Just because, uh, your idea of, of, (laughs) a calorie equals a calorie doesn't make sense because of things like the thermic effect of food or non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You're just going to scrap the whole thing, even though we have tons of studies, uh, metabolic ward studies showing with extremely, extremely high precision. They know if, if they give someone this many calories, they lose weight. They know if they give them this many calories, they maintain weight. And if they give them this many calories, they gain weight. And yet people will just throw that out like it doesn't exist. It blows my mind. And it's like it's uh, – once you understand, like, yes, there are other things that affect it. But like you said, the 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 whole idea – like the energy balance, the majority of energy balance is how many calories am I expending – how much? How many calories do I need? How, you know, what's my uh, my basal metabolic rate? Because that's pretty accurate for most people, based off you know things like uh, Harris-Benedict equation, which is that's what I use. There's a ton of equations out there that are you know pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, people just oh, I tried calorie counting and it didn't work for me. Well, that's because you were bad at it and it's a skill. And like you said, it takes time to master it, but it's worth doing and you're not going to be super accurate at first. That's okay. Be consistent. You can still make a ton of positive change just by being consistent. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I, I go through this every semester um, and it's just, and it's, you know, because there's just a really, there's a lot of really strong cases that you can make um, and it's just more about helping somebody who's in a position where they want to try to help people. So you're trying to help those people understand almost like the factors that are going to be working like against you in the sense that, you know, you're, you know, they, somebody might be paying you money to help them lose weight, you know, cause a lot of times that's the number one goal. So it's just, so, you know, so that's why we always go to that. And, you know, well, the, I, I just like you need people need to understand that, like, if you tell them to count their calories, like they're going to make a mistake mm-hmm. like, and, and it's going to be sometimes it's big mistakes. Yeah. You know, and and, and you have to have like great, 30 you, to 50 percent of their total calories. Exactly. exactly day mistake. You know, yeah. And what I'll what I'll literally do, I'll take I'll take people and I'll say, OK, so 30 percent error, you know, like. You said that you you gave me a dialogue. We analyzed it. You said that you ate 2,000 calories. Okay, you actually ate 2,600. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the error. So now, so there's 600 calories there that on paper you say you haven't eaten, mm-hmm. but you have. Okay, the you know like thermodynamics is not going to just forget about it because you didn't think about it. <laughs> You know, so it's like those are things that people you have to, and I, 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 you know, so that's where like I am a calories in versus calories out because it explains so much of the variation, you know, and I think a lot of times with just with you know, I mean, the research-based approach, like we're trying to explain as much, uh, much variability as possible with with the, you know, kind of the fewest number of variables that we can. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that that is a key factor. 
um, you know, I, I mean, I, you could we we could absolutely go uh, and do a whole other podcast on that because and and, and quite quite honestly, probably I mean, a pretty informative one. Um, yeah. So the um, but I so let me kind of because I want to make sure that we get through this article in 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 <laughs> um, and then I'd be happy to come back for a different one. But um, yes. So like with sodium bicarbonate, I think we have two yes. left, right? Right. Yeah. Sodium, sodium bicarbonate. Alanine, probably probably uh, probably one of the more popular ones. Honestly, so like sodium bicarbonate, um, there's it, it's there there might be an effect of timing from performance. There might be. Um, we 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 know that in general sodium bicarbonate with with very high intensity bouts of exercise. Uh, has a pretty good potential to improve performance, and it, it, and we're talking super maximal intensity. I mean, sprinting, um, you know. So it's not, it's not just getting on the treadmill and running it, running a mile an hour faster than what you typically do. It's 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 balls to the wall, kind of as hard as you can go type of a thing. So yeah, um, because right, I mean, by sodium bicarbonate works as a buffer. Yeah, gotcha. it's it's buffering lactic acid production. Uh, I mean, we, we have a system inside our respiratory system called our bicarbonate system. Um, and it's, 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 most people think it's around that it, that, that it takes care of about 70 to 75% of, of all the buffering that needs to take place inside our body. Um, so this, this, so when we, we supplement with it, we're just kind of increasing the capacity of that buffering system is fundamentally what we're doing, um, you know, or, or, uh, the, through that mechanism within our blood is what I'm trying to say. So the um, the thing with sodium bicarbonate is that I mean it's 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 gaseous. I mean it's it's I mean it's baking soda. You know yeah. I mean basically. So for years it really wasn't that popular because the initial studies like they couldn't they couldn't to deliver in the dosage that you needed to. So many people developed um, you know gastrointestinal side effects. That it just wasn't practical, you know. I mean, people were were vomiting. They just they weren't, you know. Like obviously, they're not able to run fast when they're when they're sick, when they just don't mm-hmm. feel good, you know. So so that was just kind of a natural scenario. And then you know they've 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 kind of figured out some delivery mechanisms, I, I think, or they you know the people have just started taking capsulated versions mm-hmm. of it. They take a lot of capsules because it's a it's a pretty hefty dose. Uh, you know, point three grams, I think, point three five grams. Of sodium bicarbonate per kg. I mean, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm two right at 218. So I'm right at 100 kilos. I mean, so that's that's 30 grams. Wow. A day. I mean, that's yeah. that, you know, and then you look at if you put, you know, hell, even if you put one gram in one one capsule. I mean, you're having you have to you have to take 30, 30 capsules. capsules. Right. Yeah. It's just like keep on keep on chugging. You know, keep on going. So, so like, you know, so you can see these very, very practical reasons why, like, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, or then if they, or if they take a big spoonful of it down the hatch, then it, then you get all upset and bubbly, and you're, you're burping and, burping. You know, and then you're like, I didn't, I didn't, I felt like garbage. Like, I'm not going to do that. So yeah. that's, that's one of the very practical issues. There are people that seem to be a little more tolerant with it, but one of the, the neat studies that, um, uh, I believe Jason Siegler and, um, uh, his group did where they gave a standardized dose, but they gave it one hour before they did an exercise about two hours before, uh, three or, or three hours before, or they gave a placebo, you know, so they gave it, you know, three, three, two, one hours, uh, beforehand. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't see any differences in performance, but the group that ingested the sodium bicarbonate three hours before had significantly less gastrointestinal side effects. Hmm. So there you go. See, mm-hmm. so like that—that's that's one of the things why like it's nice to to bring that study up because timing may not have to be about running faster. It it might be about being able to run just as fast as another condition, but have but feel better doing it. Right. You know. So mm-hmm. um, now, granted, you know it would be it'd be a lot more challenging if if like the one hour pre was significantly better in performance, but gastrointestinal side effects were, were, you know, were three times worse. Now you'd have literally, you'd have a, <laughs> a, a scenario where athletes wouldn't know what the heck to do. And, right. um, but, you know, so there's, you know, I, I, like I said, there's, um, but there's been a number of studies that have looked at bicarbonate throughout the years. And I think consistently uh, when dosed in the right amounts uh, with the right type of exercise, it's a, it's, it's a consistent ergogenic aid. 
a performance enhancement aid, the biggest challenge is the dosing required to get you at the level where you're gonna see a performance outcome and not cause significant gastrointestinal side effects along the way. In the, the one paper uh, that Sequoia's group did, they found that, that three hours before uh, was better from a gastrointestinal perspective than two hours or one hour. Um, so it's kind of a neat little, a neat little angle on it. Um, yeah, and then that's really into, interesting. You know, yeah, we get into beta alanine. You know, so beta alanine's been super popular, uh, and it continues to be popular. Um, you know, so now we're supplementing with beta alanine to increase carnosine levels inside our muscle, and carnosine is also a buffer. Um, it's a, it's I think arguably one of the most powerful buffers in in our body um you know some really really kind of fascinating things so roger harris who's the kind of the like an icon when it comes to sports supplementation he founded creatine and he was one of the kind of original people with creatine he also he also basically was one of the original people with beta alanine um roger has this fascination with with wildlife with animals and he was and he um he was able to he I basically identified that like like whales that dive deep, deep, deep and are underwater for minutes have some of the highest concentrations of carnosine in their in their tissue. Hmm. Um, and you start drawing those connections. Well, it's like, oh, well, why would that be? Okay, well, if it's buffering acidosis and it's buffering hypoxia, you know, hypoxia, things that make it very challenging for muscles to contract and produce a lot of force with again and again and again and again and again. Well, are there ways that we can increase carnosine? Um, we can't just take carnosine directly because our blood has appreciable amounts of an enzyme called carnosinase, which breaks down carnosine. Hmm. So we supplement with beta alanine because we, we beta alanine combines with histidine to make carnosine, and beta alanine and beta alanine has been is is the rate limiter. So we take beta alanine to increase carnosine levels and. Um, and, and, and that's where, um, so again, one of the issues, right, with beta alanine is the fact that it's, it causes paresthesia. It causes these ting this tingling, these side effects um, that can be pretty severe in some people. And I think if you get into some pretty high dosages, it can get, it, for, for a lot of people, it can, it can get very, very troubling. Um, it doesn't, doesn't physiologically hurt you. It just makes you very uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. you know it's like pins and it's, it's it's weird how i've always been fascinated why it's always like on your like the back of your neck and the tips of your ears like around your mouth and your face <laughs> you know it's like it's never like just in the middle of your thigh it's like why <laughs> how is it on my face um you know so so that part of it is just is just you know and i there's people out there they can tell you the reason it interacts with some some receptor and and they've figured all that out but um but they have found that, um, you know, that, that again, with, um, you know, taking beta alanine it, at, various, at, at various times uh, so away from the workout bout can help to minimize, can kind of help to minimize the paresthesia. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so again, our, our, our conclusion on that section was, you know, basically along the lines of, you know, the, the research doesn't really say that a current time or a timing strategy is is important for a performance outcome, uh, but it certainly might help with improvements in uh, reducing the side effects. So the last two are are um, kind of timing strategies to help minimize side effects, but still maintain the the performance aspect. So as long as you're getting a threshold dose, you can break it up, and you're not. You, and you're actually, really recommended to. you're actually recommended to because, again, I think the you know, the majority of beta alanine stuff that studies that have been published have used a daily dose of around six and a half grams or so. Um, but you would never, for God's sake, still take six and a half grams in one in one dose. Like, <laughs> don't do it. I mean, hey, I know if, people who love, I, who love I, the paresthesis. I, I know. I know. I have I have multiple people I know as well that would say like, that's their signal. That's their cue. Like it's go time. And I'm like, it's no time. I mean, it's, I'm like, I'm out. I got to just sit down and just not move. Uh -huh. uh, I, I don't like it at all. So, 
you know, so I'm, uh, but I think the most, the dosing strategies, you know, it's like, I think it's about one and a half grams per dose four times a day. So then, you know, that's, I think it's 1.6 actually. Uh, and that gets you right up to, so I think a lot of the initial studies used 800 milligram doses. And that was before the time release formulations kind of started being developed. So they figure out ways how to slow the absorption, slow the appearance of that, which helped reduce the paresthesia. So then they got that dose up to 1.6 grams per dose and they do it. They got to get, and then um, one of the original studies, they, let's see here, they supplemented it that at six and a half grams a day. And I think after six weeks, they saw, I think like a 60% increase in muscle carnosine. Mm. And then they did another, did another month with the 10 weeks. I think they saw about an 80% increase in carnosine from, so you, you know, you see a pretty, pretty good jump within, within six weeks or so, but you know, carnosine or beta alanine is, is like creatine in the sense that you can get that muscle loaded up with it. Uh, and then you really just, and then you, 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 you kind of dive into like a maintenance dose, you mm-hmm. know, like, you don't, you just need to keep your levels up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where there's just not as much on, um, I don't really know if there'll be a future for beta alanine with, with, with timing. Um, you know, I can remember like, I, I probably said that when we talked about creatine before, like, I don't, for me, it's more about just get it in, just get it in you. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's the battle that I always want to win. If I'm working with an athlete and they want to know, do I take it before? Do I take it after? Do I take it during? And I just like, yes, oh, just take it, <laughs> Yeah, you know, take it every day. And I, and I kind of feel that way. Get it. Yeah. Um, so I think that part of it is an important perspective um, for people to consider, you know, beta alanine is a little bit, a little bit um we're, we're continuing to learn where and when and how it might be ergogenic it might be performance enhancing uh and it's a little more fickle than uh than creatine you know creatine is you get it you get it elevated inside your body and and it helps in so many different ways mm-hmm. uh whereas beta alanine you've really got to be kind of dialed into some pretty high intensity work you know minimum of I think most people would say one to four minutes is what they would say, you know, so I mean that those are exercise bouts that just flat out, they suck. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about, a, a, you know, I mean, that's like running, you know, like, I mean, a, running a 1200, you know, I mean, I, I mean, running a, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm running an 800, like those are not fun things to do. Yeah. There's, you know, so, <laughs> you know, I mean, so anyway, I, I, the people that really want to, train at that level or, uh, you know, but, but I mean, for those that are, I mean, beta alanine certainly can, you know, we haven't seen as much on the resistance training side of things. We did a nice study with a rugby team and, um, and didn't really see it move the needle much on strength and power performance. And, mm-hmm. and um, I know there's some work, it, it functions as a, as an antioxidant. So there's some work being done in the aging populations. And um, so the, you know, the beta alanine has got a future ahead of it. Mm-hmm. But within ergogenic performance, it's it's kind of dialed into um, some pretty high intensity work for relatively, you know, one to four minutes or, you know, around there. Um, yeah. So those, yeah. So those middle distances on the track, for sure. kind of like, like the sodium bicarbonate, that's probably a similar window of, of yeah. where you're going to find some benefit. Yeah. And I think if you just, if you think about it, just you know, energetically, this is what I would, you know, it's like, I mean, we start producing high amounts of metabolic waste, you know, high amounts of acid in the muscle, you know, after we've been going hard for, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, and then you Mm -hmm. pick that up to 40 seconds, 60 seconds, 120, 100, you know, it's like the body just, you're not giving the body any time to clear it, to get rid of it. You're just producing massive amounts of it and it it accumulates. And, um, you know, a lot of our parts of our skeletal muscle machinery, like they just don't function as good as they could um, when it's a, when it's a, you know, when it's that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just try to kind of a simple way of, of looking at it. Um, yeah. So anyway, so like I said, the, the timing strategies has been something we've, we've worked at um, since the kind of late 2000s and, and it's, 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 it's fun. It's been a, mm-hmm. a neat little, neat little topic. Well, thank you so much for coming back on to finish this. Right. Um, oh, so I had a, uh, I had a guest on not too long ago to talk a little bit about HMB. So I was just going to ask you kind of your thoughts on 
maybe why that did not make it on the list. Um, I don't, you know, so again, this, this, this paper, we, we were, we were really trying to be dialed into, into timing mm-hmm. when we're ingesting it, not necessarily mm-hmm. should you ingest it or not. It's more about when, uh, are there reasons why you should specifically ingest certain nutrients at a certain time? So I think that's probably the first thing to always consider with, 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 with this paper, um, what kind of what our approach was along those lines. Um, you know, HMB has been very controversial. Yes. Um, very, very controversial. And there's, there's no way we can, we can dive into all of that. Um, you know, cause there's, there are certain, there's, you know, there's certain professors out there that are adamant that it does absolutely nothing, that it's just nothing. It's just nothing, nothing. More all hype. Than, you know, that it's all hype. Um, yeah. and you know, I generally feel like for a healthy resistance training, uh, individual who's looking to take something like HMB to promote, uh, improvements in, in muscle status, body composition, and so forth. Um, I, 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 like, I would, I would just say, let's, let's, let's pivot the conversation away from H and B and let's make sure that you're getting good high quality sources of protein. Let's make sure that you're getting a really good high quality training program. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, you know, like a whey protein isolate and let's figure out ways to make sure that you're getting enough protein across the day. Cause if you're doing that, with good sources of protein, you're going to be getting an, uh, a pretty good amount of leucine across the day. And it's, I think it's those factors that combine together, which really kind of lead to um, the outcomes that I think a lot of these people are interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I would, uh, I, I, I think it'll be interesting because, you know, th- there's a lot of clinical research that's being done with HMB. And I think that's important for people to understand with with like sarcopenic populations and like elderly mm-hmm. populations and people that metabolically um are, are are not as good as they they could be from a skeletal muscle mass perspective um so that's an angle that that there's that there might be some different levels of kind of efficacy along those lines uh and then also there's this notion that kind of within the first week or week or two weeks of starting a new training program that uh, something like HMB might offer some support to kind of minimize uh, protein breakdown. Um, and again, is that something to really, really hang your hat on? Um, I don't really know if it is because again, you know, like if you're getting enough calories and you're getting enough protein in your diet in combination with that new workout program, that's going to also be a pretty powerful positive stimulus too. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm definitely not the, the huge an anti-HMB, it's a, it's a total waste of money type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely think that if I had a group of people in front of me and they were asking about it, it would not be something that I would, that it would not be one of the, one of the, one of the things that I would, that I would recommend to them. I would gotcha. kind of focus their attention elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause we, I, I, I authored a, a fairly large review article for ISSM where we, 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 we reviewed a lot of different supplements, whether timing or not timing, and we covered HMB in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the other authors have felt pretty strongly that it, that it still had some really pretty good potential. Um, and again, it, it was, it's, it's a really good lesson on you have to get dialed into making sure that you're all talking about the same outcome. The same population, the same outcome, the same. Are we apples and apples on this? Mm-hmm. Because um, if you're talking about, you know, skeletal muscle hypertrophy within a resistance training program, I don't necessarily know if, if HMB is the thing that, that people need to need to be directed towards. Mm-hmm. But in other types of populations or applications, I think there's there's a little bit a little bit more of a window uh, for some potential. Um, but yeah, it's had HMB's had a rough road here in the last <laughs> the last. 10 to 15 years or so. Um, yeah. Yes. So, that's, the, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't, we've not, I've not done an HMB study. Um, you know, Rick Kreider, my master's mentor and PhD mentor, um, he did one of the first studies on HMB when he was, when he ran the lab at university of Memphis. And, um, 
he did three grams a dose, three grams a day, and and you know the the needle didn't move very much on the study that they did. It was mm-hmm. like six weeks or so. I don't remember how many people, and you know, there's some notion of a of a of a of a, of a um, like a free acid version versus a you know like Liquid. The, yeah. the, the the type of formulation might make an impact. And, yep. and 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 again, see, I'm I'm not an HMB expert, so I I don't know. I do know that how it's formulated can make an impact, you know, and again, like you have to, that's one thing that I've learned to appreciate a lot more in the last, I would say 10 years is that, you, you know, it, it's, you know, you can put it in your mouth and get it into your GI system, but that does not mean that, you know, a, 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 a appreciable amount gets into the tissues that you want it to get to. And right. so I think, you know, companies have worked with strategies to help, improve the bioavailability of a lot of different ingredients um mm-hmm. hmb being one of them so that's where i think uh and i'm not saying this will be the case for hmb but i think it's, you know there could be many nutrients that that their first pass pass through science maybe they don't really they don't really they're not really that impressive mm-hmm. but you know maybe it's just because of like you know poor bioavailability so they package it with some other nutrients so they change the formulation of a little bit and bioavailability goes up by you know a certain percent and mm-hmm. and now with this new formulation it it has um, a little bit more efficacy so mm-hmm. so that's where i think we're we see some differences with some of these different ingredients gotcha so, yeah um, um, i'm always interested in in hearing people's perspective on things like hmb just because it's uh yeah it's one of those very very interesting things in the industry that has a lot of uh it's got a lot of baggage yeah and I, you know because like I, I i go back to like reading that you know like i remember writing that section in particular because i was well aware that there were going to be people that were gonna gonna pounce on whatever <laughs> interpretation we took on it and they didn't disappoint um you know but letter to the author yeah i mean um i guess yeah those those things happen a lot of times in facebook you know or or twitter or those and that it is what it is but but i think um you know where you know like there's there's studies out there that show that you know i mean you know like with um there's a group in brazil that had done a couple of of pretty well done design studies that you know that looked at H and B with whether it's performance outcomes or maybe it was is like some some body composition outcomes and they saw some favor some some favorable some favorable changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, that does not mean that it it's better than something else or that it needs to be used in all applications. And I think that was, um, you know, that was kind of some of the the issues I think surrounding it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But anyway, well, context matters. For sure. It, 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 it really does. Um, and I, I honestly, with my lecturing and education, those are, that's probably one of the things that I, I try to really get people to understand a little bit more. Uh, it really does. You know, I think more so people want to try to speed science up, you know, and read an article and be like, Oh, okay, well, it doesn't work. That didn't, it just, it didn't work. But here's mm-hmm. the paper right here. It's peer reviewed study. It says black and it white. It's, you know, yep. it's, it's the, it's, you know, that's the, everyone says that this is the best of the best when it comes to science and, and it just, you know, um, so you want to speed up that, that interpretation. And, and many times it just doesn't, there's, there's too many other things that need to get dialed into it. But I think we have to be open-minded to, you see one paper and then two papers and then three and four. And then we have, now we have some, now we have a little bit more strength to our, our, our outcomes and then we can kind of decide on some things. So anyway. Awesome. Well, I think you, the, the article and, and you coming on and explaining each of the specific supplements and micronutrients kind of shows like, yeah, there's, there's nuance here. These things work when they're used at these specific doses to achieve, you know, these specific outcomes with when it's in the realm of this type of exercise or the, this specific activity. So that's one of those things that, yeah, it'd be really nice if, if uh, you know, you could write this paper that just says, hey, all of these work, doesn't matter, you know, what type of exercise you're doing or when you take it or whatever, like, these work. Unfortunately, that's not the case. So providing us with uh, 
with some clear instruction and nuance there is much appreciated. So thank you so much again for taking the time to do this. It's been great. I'm happy to do it. I'm, fine. I'm glad we finally got on the call. So for sure, uh, for sure. But I, I can't wait to have you on again to discuss uh, calories in, calories out, etc. That'll be fun. I, um, I'll, I'll I'll be ready for it. I, I it's a good topic. It's a it's a I think uh, it's a good topic. So yes. Well, I'll have to send you a copy of the Self Reliant Diet so you can do a little little review. Tell me what you think I got right and wrong, and sure, always looking to make it sharper, improve my craft, and if there's anything I got wrong, you know, I'll, I want to know. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate for sure. it. For right. sure. Uh, one more, one more time for us. Can you, uh, tell us your, uh, Instagram or how people can follow you? Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm not super active on social, although I, so I am, uh, I, I am the current, one of the uh, vice presidents for the international society of sport nutrition. So, um, I was, I kind of stepped into that role here in September of 2020. Nice. Uh, so they, Joey does want me to to become a little bit more active on social. So, <laughs> uh, I'll we'll have to make sure I throw out some hashtags or something with the with the with the uh, podcast and be sure, sure. And plug um, at the ISSN. Yes. Because um, that's the 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 organization's handle for 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 Instagram. But I'm um, Facebook is just Chad Kirksick and uh, honestly so is Twitter as well as Instagram. It's just at just at Chad Kirksick. C H A D K E R K S I C K. Perfect. Alrighty, y'all. Well, go follow the ISSN, everybody. Go follow Dr. Chad. And uh, yeah, thanks for watching and listening. And stay tuned for the next episode. Adios. See you later. Goodbye.